Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 240. This week, we're talking with Ross Ramsey about getting started, surprise, and the role of obedience. I'm the beneficiary of invites of people taking the initiative. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by and welcome to the show. Our goal is to equip, challenge, and inspire you. And I do want to mention that this show is made possible in part by generous support from people like you. Visit engagingmissions.com slash patron to learn more about how you can be involved. This week, we're going to talk about getting started and some of the challenges that go with that. We're going to talk about surprises in the church, and we're also going to talk about the incredible role of obedience. Before we do that, though, I do want to say welcome to Jacob, Silas, Kyle, Jeff, Manuel, Carissa, Justin, and Mary, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. It's great to have you, and thanks so much for connecting that way. I also want to say thanks for an iTunes review that I got from, and this isn't a real name, this is Country Chick 4. I don't actually have a real name right here, but I wanted to read it for you because I appreciate this review. It says... This is a fantastic show that I've shared with all of my missions-minded friends. It is terrific, uplifting, thought-provoking, and interesting. I've been greatly blessed and benefited tremendously from listening to this podcast. So, I don't have a real name, but Country Chick 4, if you're listening, thanks so much for that review. I really appreciate that, and I really appreciate you sharing what you're getting out of the show. And for those who help make this show possible, whether it's Jeff and Gabby who help with production, whether you've offered financial support, or you share it with your friends and family so that they can benefit from it as well, Thank you so much for making this possible and for getting it out to people like Country Chick 4 and the people that she's connected with as well. I also want to mention that I am working on some resources for missionaries and church planters who are interested in using podcasts to do things like cast vision, connect with people, and share their hearts. I don't have a definitive timeline. It's stuff that I'm working on, but I just wanted to let you know that that is something that I'm working on. With that, I'm not going to take any more time. We're going to transition right to our time with Ross Ramsey. All right, today I am incredibly happy to have with me Ross Ramsey. He was born north of Chicago, Illinois, and he's been involved in ministry both in churches as well as at Lifeway Christian Resources in Tennessee. He's a graduate of the University of Central Florida as well as Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He and his wife have three children, and he's now in Allen, Texas, involved with First Baptist Church right there. So, Ross, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, this is totally my pleasure. Now, one of the things I like to do is we 
as we start get started is take a minute to kind of get to know our guest. And typically I'll ask a couple of background questions, but one of the things that really stood out to me as I was checking out some of the information you sent me was your testimony. You shared that online. And I'm wondering, would you mind taking just a couple of minutes to share with us your testimony, how it is that you came to Christ and what he's done in your life? Yeah, it was real simply. My parents in Jacksonville, Florida, we lived in North Florida and my dad, we, he was big into scouts and but they didn't have that in Jacksonville. So we went to this thing called Indian Guides. And there was another Christian there by the name of Dane Starkey who invited this. So this would have been late 70s in North Florida. We moved from Chicago to Southern California to North Florida. And this guy, Dane Starkey, invited my dad to church. And if you had known my dad at that time, it was an absolute miracle. But for some reason, and to this day, you know, I've never asked him. He he went. So my, my dad went to church and he, he took me and my brother and my mom at that time. And before I knew it, my dad got baptized within a few months. Mm. And I and I as a young kid, I just didn't connect the dots or I was like, well, what's something was going on with him. And then my brother got baptized. And not long after that, I came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And just afraid of, of going to hell, to be quite honest with you, yeah. our pastor preached hell quite a bit. And as a nine-year-old boy, that connected the dot for me. So I got saved in, in the early 80s. And so I was, what, what was kind of interesting about it, though, is I, I was being, I was hearing the gospel at church, but, but my church never, never would call you to a decision. It was really strange. Hmm. And then one day or one evening, I'll never forget, it was in 1981, a group from First Baptist Jacksonville, they had a deal where they were going to attempt to knock on every door in Jacksonville. Well, they got to my door in 1981, in the fall of 1981, and a guy knocked on the door and explained the gospel to me. And it was the first person who ever had walked it through and then called me to a decision. And I made a decision at a door um, in 1981. So anyway, and that'll, that will tie back into some of what I'm doing here in Allen. So, and then Unfortunately, my parents didn't really know how to disciple and that they, they kind of put it back onto the church. And, and so I kind of struggled for a number of years and then kind of came back to the Lord in the early, mm. my early twenties and God kind of took it from there. So anyway, that's a quick, you know, 30,000 yeah. foot version of my testimony. That, that, that's really incredible. And you might be, I don't know for sure, but you might be the first person I've talked to where somebody knocked on the door. And they were the person standing on the other side of the door that made that decision, that, that, that it changed their life. And I'm wondering, you, you, I think you kind of alluded to this, but how has that experience shaped your, your life and your ministry now? Well, it, you know, it's, it's funny you mention that. I, I never met the guys. I, they, what, what's interesting is they, I was nine, I was, yeah, nine years old. Mm. They actually came back the next week. And I remember they knocked on the door and my mom kind of shooed them off. And I never saw the men ever again. It was years later. I was talking to the pastor of First Baptist Jacksonville. His name was Jerry Vines. And he was at a conference and I was telling him about that. And anyway, he said that in the late 70s, I think it was the other pastor named Homer Lindsay, who they had a goal to knock on every single door in Jacksonville. Wow. I don't know if you know anything about Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida is one of the biggest cities in the world in terms of area. Well, they, they, that was a goal they had in 1978. They finally got to my house in 1981. Wow. 
And the crazy thing about that is, is that is one of the goals that our church has now is to knock on every single door in Allen. And so I'm kind of paying it forward in a yeah. weird way. <laughs> I never thought it would come full circle, but that's exactly what we're doing in our community. We're, we're canvassing every home in our community. So yeah, it's shaped and in a weird way. I never really connected that dot until about a year ago that I was the byproduct of, of a door knocking ministry. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. That, that's really incredible. And, and the other thing that really kind of stood out to me about your story was how a transition in your dad's life began to impact you and that there wasn't just that invitation, but then that invitation, somebody else said to him, Hey, do you want to come to church? And for whatever reason he did. And that, that impacted more than just him. H- how do you suppose that God will continue to use the work that you're involved in now to do the same kind of thing for other people? Well, I, I mean, it, it's just, for me, it's just that simple. I'm, I'm, I'm the beneficiary of invites of people taking the initiative of a man inviting my dad to church. Mm. And if you had known my dad, again, if he was sitting here, he, he was a, he was not your church going type. I mean, he wasn't, that was the farthest thing from that. So, so I'm the beneficiary of a, of a simple invite. And then I'm a beneficiary of, of another church going out of their way to go into my community. So I mean, it just seems like the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so that's, that's my, and, and the other thing is that's totally consistent with what Christ did. He was constantly initiating things. It was never a, a come and see, it was a go and tell. And so, you know, I, I guess, since, and I never really put all that together that I was until these last couple of years that, man, I, I was the product of that, but my, my you know, and <laughs> I just, it, it just occurred to me. I mean, I, in some form or fashion that that's exactly what I'm doing now. Mm. And I, I don't think it ever shaped me uh, like consciously, like, oh, I have to go pay this for sure. It's just how all the things ended up working out. So I don't know if that answers your question oh, or not. But. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really interesting to kind of dig into those things because I, I'm, I'm not the product of a door knocking ministry. And like I mentioned, I'm not sure that I've ever talked to someone who was. So this is this is a really I- intriguing op- conversation for me. And I'm I'm wondering as you as you think about that, you know, somebody cast a vision for people to go out and try and reach all of Jacksonville eh, over the course of a few years. Now you're in a position where you are casting or continuing to carry vision for that in your city. Are you finding? it difficult to call people into that ministry? How, how, how does that work itself out? That's a loaded question. Yeah. Do I find it difficult? <laughs> I didn't mean it to be loaded. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, no. Yes and no. I have found that we, st- well, let me back up about two years ago, a year and 18 months, a little over 18 months ago, we started praying Luke 10 two. Okay. Which Luke, I don't know if Luke 10 two says, Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send out lit that yeah, you yeah. send out laborers into the harvest. So uh, we started praying that as a church, not really knowing what that what was at the end of it. It was kind of actually something we thought about during Easter. Mm. And so long story short, and I don't know if we'll get into it in this interview, but through the course of several months, we started initiating training. And what I did is I called every single person I knew in the church personally. Wow. And I invited them to this training. 
And, and what I found was, is that there were, there was God prepared people who were waiting for this vision. Mm. And so those people were just the great encouragement. And so they were what I'd call early adopters. They really jumped on board the vision and it was, it was great. And then there was this later group that was very pushed very hard back on this. They were, this is, oh no, this is like Jehovah's Witnesses or Harry Krishner's, you know, all the stereotypes. Yeah. And they pushed back really hard on that. And, and some of them came around just over a period of time, word got out. They started hearing the stories about what God was doing in the harvest. And so the stories drew them in. And then there's this last group, which I will never give up on, but they're, they're extremely resistant mm. to what we're doing. And that's been very hard for me because the longer I'm in this, the, the harder it is for me to understand why they, they won't do it. Hmm. And so I've had to, I've had to really, it's been a real hard, how do I put this? I I have, I've learned to love these people Hmm. and know that no amount of arm twisting and are looking at them, calling them bad Christians will ever, it's just something, a work that God has to do to call them in and, and we'll be here ready to equip them and help them walk through that. But so, and some of these are my friends. And that's hard. That was really hard. So it, yes, it was, it was very difficult. And in another sense, it wasn't because there, there was God prepared people who were waiting for this. And so, but the longer we go into it, it, it is getting more and more difficult because we've kind of squeezed everything out of our church. And uh-huh. now we're having to go outside of our church to find other believers in the community who are interested in, in helping us. So. Yeah, so let's let's kind of camp there for just a second because you just mentioned getting beyond your church, which I think is I think is mm-hmm. great, and I think that speaks to some of the things I've heard about you as far as being part of a pioneering church or an equipping church. But but let's talk about you know some sometimes churches can be a bit territorial. Sometimes maybe maybe they have a, a personality mm-hmm. that they want to continue to maintain as a, as an organization. How, how are you able to go into or go to another church or another pastor and begin casting that vision? Well, for starters, I don't talk church. I talk kingdom. Okay, good. And I'm like, hey, I'm about expanding the kingdom, and I don't care who gets credit for it. I don't care where these people land. I just want to get the gospel out as mm. fast as we possibly can. And 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 so some people buy into that vision very quickly. The other thing was, to be quite honest with you, when we started this, and, and I don't know if we'll get into this, but how it got started was a real work of God. When we started this, to be really just candid with you, we did, all we were thinking about was our church. I, I, I can't, I got to be very honest with you. Yeah. I wasn't thinking Collin County or the city of Allen or other churches. That was the farthest thing from my mind. Mm. That has actually been an evolution of what's happened and so when we first started, we were just about, hey, we got to reach our community and we want them to come back to our church. That got jettisoned very quickly okay, because God expanded our vision. Mm. And so when I talk to other pastors and other churches, and by the way, they're coming to me now, not, really? not to me, but yeah. They're the, oh yeah, they're, they're, the, it, every training we do now, I'd say the vast majority, I'd say half of the people in that room are from other churches. Wow. And so what, what I do is I, I basically tell them, this is not a way to numerically grow your church. If, the, if you're jumping into it for that reason, and I totally understand that, 
I just, I, I want to set your expectations. This is about growing your people spiritually, bottom line. And we'll reach people, if we reach people, great. Mm. But this is about growing the body of Christ and, and maturating it. Mm. And that is exactly what we saw almost immediately is that as we were equipping people and they were sharing the gospel, just the mouth to ear transmission of the gospel was a sanctifying agent in the life of our church. And we began to see maturation in all kind of areas of our church, home discipleship, financial giving, just it, it, it. And so that was, so when I, when I talk to churches, I go, Hey, listen, we, we want to reach Alan, but if you want to grow your people spiritually, the way you do it is by equipping them to do the great commission and it hits all kinds of other areas. And for for example, let me, this whole thing has absolutely catalyzed prayer in our church. Mm. It's just going off. And, so, and it also helped. We had a very good year financially. It turns out that a lot of the people that are going out in the harvest, they started giving more. Well, we, we never saw that coming. And so, so I, so I step back. So how do you get other churches involved? I sell, I, I tell them that this is what grows your people and maturates it, 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 it sanctifies them quicker than anything I've ever seen in my life. Wow. So anyway, that's one of the things I, 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 I'm very direct with, with other churches when I talk to them about this. Yeah, I, I like that. And <laughs> there's so much we could dig into right here. So many things you've talked about, but one of the things that you kind of just glazed by that I'm, I'm interested to hear is you, you talked about how this got started. How did this get started? Okay. Well, I'll I'll, st- I'll I'll tell you the story, and this is really, really, really interesting. So this would have been fall of 2016, and uh, my pastor was coming up on his 20th anniversary. And, and mm. by the way, and I don't mind saying this, is we were a very much the last church that you would ever think would be doing this. Mm. We are, we're kind of like your daddy's Osmobile. I mean, we're very traditional. We're very predictable church. We're a county seat church in North Dallas. Mm. We're not the the cool church with tattoos and and smoke. And we're just not that. We're the last place that would ever try this. And so I just want to kind of frame that. So the end of 2016, my pastor was very frustrated that we weren't really doing anything in the community. So we brainstormed all these ideas of, you know, block parties and all these kind of what I call mercy ministries that to, to, to love on the community. And we did some of them. We didn't really see anything different in our church because of it. Mm. And so nothing was, and we were just kind of stalling out. And so about that time, I saw a friend of mine who's in Jacksonville, Florida. He's a physician. And he had a training on a Saturday, and it was done by a guy named Troy Cooper, okay. who my buddy knew in South Florida. And I was watching the pictures on Facebook, and they showed training, and then they showed him witnessing, and then they showed him baptizing someone the same day. And that just absolutely riveted me. Oh, I'm like, what are you doing? That you're going out? And I go, you're going, what are you doing? He's like, oh, we're going to these apartment complexes. I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. I said, let me look into it a little bit more. And so I contact Troy Cooper and then he forwarded me to another guy here in Texas. Well, right about that time, we have a Spanish speaking ministry and there's this guy named Ted Linwall Mm. 
who decides to go over to this apartment complex right around the corner from our church to see if there's any Hispanic people he could reach. And so he goes over there to the apartment manager. And by the way, this apartment, as far as I can tell, up to that point in the history of our church, we've maybe had two people that have ever graced the door of our church from that apartment complex. And there's about eight, 900 people, and it's within mm-hmm. spitting distance of our church. So we never had anybody ever visit our church from that apartment complex. So he walks into that apartment manager's office. And she was really nice, and she's, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of Hispanic people here, but we've got kids everywhere, and we, we, need, a, we need a church to come over here. So he comes back to our church, and he tells my pastor, hey, that apartment complex would really needs a church to come over there and do something. And so my, my pastor just offhandedly in the middle of a staff meeting said, hey, Ross, could you go look into that for me? If, just chase it down, find out if there's anything to it. And I'm like, sure. I had nothing else. I was like, what do I have to lose? So I go over there and it's exactly like this guy told us. This lady, the apartment manager's falling all over herself. You guys need to be over here doing something and helping us. There's kids everywhere. And I'm like, well, what do you want us to do? Mm-hmm. And she goes, I don't know, some after school something. I'm like, okay, let me see what I can come up with. So we're walking out the door and the manager, her name is Susan. She's got a cigarette in her mouth and she looks up. And I look up at the same time and I go, oh, my goodness. I said, you can see our steeple from here. And she said, yeah, yeah. She goes, let me tell you the story behind that. She goes, Mm. you know, that guy from your church that was here a couple weeks ago? I said, yeah. She goes, the day before he or the day. Yeah. The day before he came over here, there was a really bad storm the night before and it knocked all these trees down. Hmm. And I said, I remember that storm really well. She goes, well, it knocked this whole grove of trees down. And when they came out here, I came out to smoke my cigarette and I looked up there and I saw the steeple of your church. And I said, that church needs to be over here. <laughs> and she goes, the next day, that guy from your church knocks on my door. Wow. And I said, well, that's a cool story. Yeah. And so I go back to our staff and, and we brainstorm ideas, all the things you think we would come up with, you know, after school stuff, block parties. And mm-hmm. we did some of that. Didn't make any difference. Right about that time, Troy connected me with a guy at Sugar Creek in Houston who connected me with a guy up here named Kyle Pearson. And he said, that's the guy that's doing the same training that you saw on Facebook. Mm. So I called him and he immediately picked up the phone. And I said, hey, man, I don't know who you are. You don't know me, but I was given your name by Troy Cooper. And he says that you can help us reach this apartment community. Mm. And he's like, sure. When can you meet? And I said, I can meet you tomorrow. So we go and we meet and it's this guy, two guys sitting at a Panera Bread and they tell me about these four fields and three circles. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude, yeah. but I got an apartment complex that we got to reach. Can you help me? And I, he goes, yeah. He goes, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, actually nothing in the afternoon. He goes, I'm going to be over at your office and we're going to go into that apartment complex. I go, what are we going to do? He goes, you just watch me. Mm. I said, uh, okay. So sure enough, he shows up and we get no cards. We walk over that apartment complex and I'm, and I'm like, what are we going to do over here? And he goes, we're going to start knocking on doors. And I go, what? And I go, what are we going to do? He goes, we're going to pray for them. I go, no one's going to be here. In the middle of the day, they work. And then by the way, what do you, you really think they're going to open the door to you? He goes, just watch. And so we were out for an hour and a half 
We knocked on 15 doors. We talked to six people. Two people invited us into their apartment. And we and, and I saw Kyle share the gospel with two people. And this one guy started crying. And I had never, I had, I was just flabbergasted. In an hour and a half, I went back to my office and I, he left. I went back and I sat down and I thought to myself, I did more ministry and mission in an hour and a half than I'd done in five years in my community. And I knew something was different. I knew something was wrong. I, that, I knew that I knew that I just was like, something's got to change. Mm-hmm. And so that was, and so I kept going out with Kyle and I kept seeing the same thing, just crazy things. And, and a couple people ended up coming back to our church. And so long story short, we took this training that I, he was training me on. We brought it to our church. Hmm. It was a Saturday. And so I'd been in our church for five years. And so I cashed all my chips in hmm. and I invited every leader I could to this training on Saturday. And I didn't think anybody would show up. And so that Saturday came and 44 people showed up. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, Oh no, I don't like, what did I get myself into? And so we trained that morning and I didn't tell any of them that we were going out to knock on doors. I didn't tell a soul. Mm. And I felt like, and so we get to the afternoon and that's what we do in the training. We go out into the harvest and I'm sitting there and I get up in front of the, and now these are all VPs, supervisors giving their Saturday up and I'll tie this up real quick. Oh. And then, and so we go, and so we put them in groups of three and we go back to this apartment complex. And I could tell everybody in the room was pretty upset when they, they felt like they got a bait and switch. <laughs> they were, I mean, and my pastor was in there and I, he kind of knew what, what, I, what I was doing. And, but they all went out. We gave them assignments and we went in groups of three and we modeled what to do at every door. Mm. And so we went out and I went out with a team. And we had some interesting interactions. So we sent out about, I guess, maybe 17, 18 teams that day. Mm. And, we come back to, I come back to that, that room where we were training. We were going to be out for an hour and a half. I got back early and I thought I was going to come back to a packed room of a lot of upset people. I come back to the room and no one's in there. Hmm. It's just me and the two other people I'm with. And I'm thinking, oh no, they all went home. And I was thinking, I don't know if I have a job tomorrow. <laughs> and one by one, these teams start coming in. Okay. And they're crying, they're laughing, they're high-fiving. I mean, a lot of these people didn't know who they were. I mean, this was just a real cross-section of our church. Mm-hmm. And then in about four or five minutes, there's about six people deep wanting to tell me stories about what happened in the harvest. Wow. And all I can tell you is the next hour we reported, each group reported, it was like a worship service. It was like an Acts 2 type awe. People were crying, laughing. Two people got saved. A Muslim lady got saved. These people prayed for people. I mean, it was an incredible experience. Mm. And it was, I'd never seen anything like it. God showed up. Mm. He showed up when we went out. And all these people experienced Christ. And they had, every one of them had an incredible story. So that was Saturday, that Sunday, and I'll end this. That Sunday, we, I come to church. My pastor, we pray every Sunday morning and he's sitting there and he's, we come into his office. It's all the staff. So he was at the training and it was another staff member. Mm -hmm. And he just looks at me and he goes, Ross, I've never experienced anything like that in 30 years of ministry. 
He goes, you got to, he goes, you got to get up in front of the church and tell everyone what happened yesterday. Hmm. I said, okay. So that Sunday, what happened was something was incredible. Those 44 people became evangelists hmm. and they went into the church. They went into their groups and they told everybody about what happened. And I mean, it was, there was a buzz in our church that Sunday. It was something was different. Yeah. Because all these people experienced Christ the day before in the harvest, and they went back in their groups. They're going, you won't believe what I just, we did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And you won't believe what happened. And, it, and that was a year and a half ago, and it's just been an absolute ride since then. It's been an absolute crazy, it's just exponentially grown since then. But that was how it started. Mm-hmm. And it was just a lot of steps of faith and, and God showed up. So anyway, I didn't, I didn't want to get into all that, but oh, I wanted no. you to know how it, it kind of got going here. So, so, so I actually appreciate you going into that and painting a picture and partly because I would suspect that there's somebody listening right now who's thinking to themselves, I want that. Not, not trying to suppose that God would recreate an exact experience, but wanting that level of engagement for the people that they're connected with, wanting that kind of life in their church, wanting that kind of experience for themselves. If there's somebody who's in that boat, let's say they sat down with, with for, for coffee with you, what would you say, hey, go, go do this first? Yeah, the first thing I would do <laughs> is pray. <laughs> the <laughs> second fair. thing, I mean, I really would. I mean, it, it is it is a journey yeah. and, it, and it's, it's extremely radical what we did. And I got to be honest with you, a lot of people are like, well, th- we, we, let me say this much because there's a lot of baggage attached to what we do. I mean, okay. everyone's like, you knock on doors. Let, let me say, let me step back. Our, our, our target was not the apartment complex. Our target was their sphere of influence. Okay. That's where we wanted them to go. We wanted them to go back to the relationships. The, the going into the community, as crazy as this sounds, that's where we get practice. That's how I sell it. Mm. That's where you build your competency. That's where you build your articulation. That's where that that's that's just kind of our, our practice. But the beauty of it is where God it, our practices with real life people. What we're shooting for is the people that God's already placed around you. And that's what we did see very early on, people going back and to their families and sharing the gospel very quickly. Mm. But if I was sitting down with someone right now, and I've I've had this conversation dozens of times. The first thing I would tell them to do is I would say, find a place in your community that you haven't reached. I don't care, a neighborhood, an apartment complex. And then I, I, what we tell them, I, I go, okay, give me an afternoon, give me an hour and a half, and I want you to come with me and watch me. And so what I do is I model it for them. Mm. They've got to see it. You can't sit here and describe it or show it on a whiteboard. You have to go out and you have to experience it. And so I'd say, hey, would you be willing to go out and harvest with me a few times? And if they're not willing to do that, I don't train them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I hate to say this, this sounds crass, but why would you train somebody who can't show just simple obedience in going into the harvest? Mm. And so one of the barriers or one of the hurdles or whatever we do is you, you, you have to come into the harvest with me Mm. and you have to see it. And then you have to begin to do it. And so there's a period of time where this person, the staff member or leader is in the harvest in their community, watching me 
and then I train them and then I begin to hand it off to them. So they have some experience in the harvest and then they begin and then they pull another person in through who they have an influence over and then they're doing it. And so before we ever train a church or we call a larger group of people to it, we have just a small core of people, anywhere from two to four to five, who have been out in the harvest for a period of time and who have experienced it. Wow. And then we take the, the, the training. We just found that to be much more effective at getting engagement in a, in a current church. Yeah, I, I like that. And I appreciate you. You know, go ahead and make that plain, right? So if somebody's not willing to take a step, then why would you go forward with future training? That makes sense to me. As I'm thinking about that, one of the things that you had mentioned is that you're not about trying to build a church. It kind of started that way, but you're really about building the kingdom. And I'm wondering if you go mm-hmm. into an apartment complex and you you pray for somebody and let's say they make a decision for Christ, what what's the next step for you? Yeah, yeah, great question. So so, so basically and, I, and and I'm going to use some some stuff we use. I don't know how familiar you are with the no place left group, but yeah. we basically category categorize our responses into four categories. We have a red light which is, and this comes from Acts chapter 17, verse 32 through 34, when Paul was at the Areopagus and he's, he's preaching. And there's basically three responses. He sees people who mock him, who mm-hmm. sneer at him. So that's okay. a red light. And then there's people who are like, this is interesting. I'd like to hear more about this. And that's a yellow light. And then we have a green light. And those are the people who, who believes in the message of the, of, of, of the kingdom. And so that's a green light. And then the fourth category is a believer. And so if someone says yes to the gospel, okay, mm-hmm. they, we, we present the gospel to them and they go, I want to believe in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, and I want to surrender to him and repent of my sins. And we call the tool we use is the three circles and it has a great diagnostic at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And if, so if they say yes, the first thing we do at that point is then we we do a thing called the Great Commission DNA, which we go to a Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And we read that to them and we show them that if once you say yes to Christ, the first thing we show is that Christ now is authority of your life because Jesus mm-hmm. says, I have authority over heaven and earth. And then we show them that you're called to make disciples and which is or to go make disciples. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, he says to be baptized. And so we call them to baptism pretty quickly. Yeah. And we ask them, is, is that something you want to do right now? It's the first act of obedience. Some people are like, absolutely. And then some people are like, whoa, 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 hold on. Sure. And we're like, okay, we get it. And then the last thing it says that we teach them to observe or to obey everything. And so at that point, we set an appointment to come back. Mm. And typically we try to get back within 48 hours. Okay. And we go back to either their home or their apartment. Or we go to some other location that they're comfortable with. Okay. And we begin a process of what we call the 411. The first thing we train them in is basically, have you heard the 411? Are you familiar with that? I've, I've heard it, but I'm, it's, not, it's not coming up right now. Okay. No, no, no problem. No. I, I, so the 411 is the first thing we do. Everybody is trained after there's someone says yes, is to go back and train that person in these four questions. We call it the 411 is four questions, one sheet of paper, and one hour. Okay. And we basically, the first question they need to know is why they need to make disciples. And we ba- basically establish their identity as a new creation 
and they're an ambassador in Christ. The next question they have to ask is, who do I make a disciple of? Now that I'm a disciple, who do I go tell this people about? So we establish their who, which is their oikos, their sphere of influence. And then the third question we train them in is what? What do I say to people to tell them what's happened to me? And so we train them in a 15-second testimony, and we begin to train them in a gospel presentation. And then the last question they have to answer is when. Okay. Well, when do I start telling people about what, what happened to me? And that's where we set goals for them. So immediately we're setting DNA that, it, that they need to start telling people about what Christ has done for them. And that is where we get to movement. That's where it begins. And we've seen this where people come to the Lord and we say, you got to go tell somebody. And they, they do it. They do it. That's the yeah. crazy. They actually, they're not like Christians in the church who wait 10 years before they ever say anything. These people actually begin to go tell their family members. Now, mind you, it's a very simplified gospel. Sure. But it's something. And so we immediately train them on that. And then we go into what's called a pattern of discipleship after that. And we begin to give them what's called the, we call it the nine commands of Christ that begins to build health in them. And at that point, we're asking them to bring other people that they know that don't are far from God into this meeting. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't work out, at some point in the process, if this is still one-on-one, we bring them into a group at the church or out in the community. We get them into gathering. So okay. if someone says yes to the Lord, the person who led them to the Lord, it's their job to disciple them. They don't bring them back to something. They know the next 10 steps to bring that person up. So everybody's equipped to do that. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Oh, it, it totally does. And I, one of the things I was going to ask, because you know, the, the first thing you didn't say was, well, we invite them to church, right? And, and I, I understand the discipleship and perhaps meeting at a coffee shop or meeting in their home for discipleship. But then the question was going to be, what happens if none of their oikos, their their group of people comes with them? How do you get that fellowship? And you you, you went right to it. So I'm thinking this this is great. One of the things I'm wondering is if you were able to, to look forward maybe five or ten years into the future as you think about Allen, Texas, what are you believing God for? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's two things that I'm I'm believing God for. One is that that groups, churches, and or gatherings, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. will begin to come out of this this work. We've already seen one. We have a Brazilian group that has started out of the harvest. Mm. So we've reached a number of Brazilians, and they've already there's there's thirteen of them right now that are meeting on Sunday night, and that was truly straight from out of the harvest. So we want to see more groups or churches started purely out of this. The other thing that we would want to see is churches coming together to reach our community for Christ. Of all, I say all different denominations, I, I you know, there's obviously differences in, in the way we do church, but sure. we're finding that there are, are a number of churches that have a passion for the gospel. And so we want to see that united in Christ to go after all these people and wherever they land, they land. But to be honest with you, well, and then the other thing is we want to see some of these groups that have started that then make other groups. The other thing we're starting to see, which is incredibly gratifying, is people are feeling called to full-time ministry in missions overseas through this. So it becomes a pipeline to the nations. Yeah. 
So, so people go, well, I can do this here. Well, why don't we go and do it overseas? And so we were starting to see a little bit of that begin to happen as, as it catalyzes your, your international mission and, and gets people into full-time ministry. I say full-time. They feel called to, to go overseas. So we're beginning to see some of that. I'll give you a perfect example. My daughter's leaving for Hungary on Wednesday really? uh, with crew. Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's been, and I think that's just purely because she, she was one of the early adopters. She's 15 years old and she goes out into the harvest twice a week with us. And uh, it, it, I've never, so, you know, that, that's, so part of my answer is I do feel like there's some defined things I'd love to see God do, but at the same time, we're seeing him do things I just never anticipated. Yeah. I just, I'm just going to keep being obedient and I'm going to see what he, he does with all this. And so I'm just, it, 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 and every, every week it's something new. I just like, wow, didn't think that was going to happen. So I'm looking forward to being surprised. Yeah, that's incredible. I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate your honesty because, you know, sometimes looking back to maybe the nineties or the early two thousands, there was this real focus on having a vision and casting vision. And I, I don't want to say that's inappropriate, but I appreciate that a big part of your vision is just figuring out what God's done with what you've already done and then watching for that exciting stuff in the future. I, I really appreciate that because it speaks to me about that childlike faith that Jesus talked about. So I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's what I'm seeing and I appreciate it. The only vision that we have, the only things that we, is we want to find out where God's at work and join it. And that's, that's all we want to do. I, I, I don't want to make anything up. I just yeah. want to go find out what he, what he's doing and join him. And, and I don't know what that is, but I know it's outside of my church. The only other vision statement we have is that we want to knock on every single door in Allen with an opportunity to pray for these people and care for them. And if the opportunity presents themselves, we want to share the gospel. So that's kind of a tangible vision that we have is, that. So it, it's kind of, it's scalable. Yeah, We know there's 26,000 homes in Allen and we've knocked on, as of right now, we've knocked on close to 9,000 doors. Wow. And so. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah. It's crazy. So, 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 to, so what I, my hope is to knock on every single one of these doors and pray for them. And whatever happens because of that and share the gospel, whatever is at the end of behind that, I am open to whatever God wants to do with that. Man, I, I just love that. And speaking of prayer, as we draw this to close, I'm wondering, how how can we best pray for you? Well, it, it just, <laughs> I think part is that I, I will stay pure mm. and clean, and I will abide in Christ, and I will be surrendered to Him in this. You know, the, the scariest part about this whole thing is me in my pride and that I, I feel like sometimes I could mess it up and, and derail it. And, and that just absolutely, it, it, it scares yeah. me. And, and, you know, at the same time, though, God started this thing and he just for some strange reason. So I just my <laughs> just to keep me absolutely humble before God and 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 abiding in him and surrendered up to him. I know that sounds so generic and mm -hmm. so kind of like a Sunday school answer, but that's where I find myself every morning and every day. 
and that's all I I want to do, and and that's all I desire. And I desire the people that fall in, that do this that they experience the same thing. Oh, I, I appreciate. Yeah, I, I appreciate your honesty because, yeah, maybe it sounds like a Sunday school answer, but when it comes from a place of humility, it can also be hard to share that kind of thing. So I appreciate that. For those of you that are listening, I'd like to just encourage you right now, pause the recording, take a minute to pray for Ross and for the ministry and what God's done in his life, in his family, in the church and in the community, because our our prayers make a difference. And I know if you're like me, it's really easy to say, yeah, I'll do that before I go to bed and then forget about it. So I just encourage you to take a minute to do that. Stop by the show notes page, engagingmissions.com slash Ross Ramsey. We'll have ways for you to connect with him right there in case you want to learn more or just make that connection, let him know how much you appreciate his time. Ross, I want to say thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, taking the time to schedule it and all of the things that you've shared. I've really been encouraged and I I appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure now. Like I I said, I'm just humbled that anyone even wanted to listen to me. (laughs) So thank you. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Ross Ramsey for taking the time to be with us. I really appreciate that. Also to Country Chick 4 for that very kind Apple Podcasts review, to Jeff and Gabby for their role in the production of the show, and to everyone who has helped support the show financially through some kind of donation or shared the show with a friend or a family member, somebody who might benefit from the show. I really appreciate that. Make sure that you check out the show notes. You'll find those at engagingmissions.com slash Ross Ramsey. That's where you're going to find ways to connect with the guest, as well as links to the resources that we talked about. And if you come back in a couple of weeks, you're going to hear from a guest about fear, looking for ministry opportunities, and the value of sharing your faith in the workplace. It's a really good conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I think you will as well. The best way to do that, if you haven't already, is to subscribe to the show by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Then you can use your favorite podcast app, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or quite a variety of other options. You can choose that right there. Subscribe using your favorite podcast app. Then you can listen to the show for free whenever you want. You'll never miss an episode. It'll be right there in your favorite podcast app. And if you know somebody else who might benefit from the show, if you send them there as well, they'll have the same opportunity also. One more time, thank you so much for being here. I really look forward to connecting in a couple of weeks.